updates of uh, situation in Ukraine on the ninth day of the war. And what is the military historian Professor Victor Hansen's answer to the following important questions? How does he see state of the warfare right now, and why Putin decided to invade Ukraine at this time? And what is the role of the U.S. energy policy in Putin's decision? And what is the relationship between CCP and Putin in this decision? How does this war play into the Great Reset? Welcome to Wei and Kathy Show. I'm your host Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. Okay, so no long time no see on the YouTube. Okay, we've been we've been forced uh, offline for one week. So during which that uh, CPAC happened, so we did our broadcasting over on the Safe Chat, and now we're back on both platforms. Hello, everyone. Good to see you again. A lot of things are happening in the past in the past one week, actually. So we missed all of you. Let's just try to do some catch up here. Okay. So the war has entered the ninth day in Ukraine, probably its tenth day. Okay, and the fighting remain uh, remains intense in the central Ukraine as the Russian forces continue to bombard the, the capital Kiev, uh, Kiev in the attempt to take the capital. But there are miles long convoy, basically forty miles long convoy, north of the city, still doesn't appear to be moving and has been there for four days. So when you see a a convoy staying there for four days, apparently it's not doing its job. So they get stuck. This is this is uh, actually uh, logistic uh, issues long known to the U.S. military experts, which uh, uh, Kathy and Wei interviewed in the previous few days, which we couldn't air it to you. Yeah, but if you wanted to check out, out check it out, can go on to the Safe Chat platform. So the Russian forces reportedly captured a Ukrainian nuclear power plant, which is the largest in Europe. After a massive fire was extinguished, Ukrainian workers continued to operate the facility. No release of uh, radioactive uh, material has been reported. The situation really grabbed the attention of the uh, the Europe and even the entire world. Um, okay, so the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas Greenfield said this at the Security Council Friday, and she said, "By the grace of God." The world narrowly averted a nuclear catastrophe last night at the at the Zinpa Zinpa Zazia nuclear power plant, which the Russian forces attacked and started a fire. And okay. she said, "We all waited to exhale as we watched the horrific situation unfold in real time." I applaud the ability of the Ukrainian operators to keep all six reactors in safe conditions while under attack, and to report as they were able to. Their nuclear regulator. So, in the meanwhile, a third round of talk between Ukrainian and Russian delegations is in the works, potentially as soon as this weekend. And NATO has refused Ukraine's request of establishing non-fly zone above the country, citing that uh, that would mean inevitably shooting down U,、uh, Russian uh, airplanes, which. Equates to dragging NATO into direct military conflict with Russian military. Russian's、uh, state-owned media RT closes U.S. operation and laid off more than 100 staff. Spotify, Meta, slash Facebook, Google, and YouTube have all banned RT and other Russian、uh, news outlets such as Sputnik、uh, in the U.S. While in return, Russian government is shutting down access to. U.S. services in its its own country, by such as Facebook and Twitter, and Russian officials also continue to shutter media outlets now, including BBC's Russian service, Independent Medusa, and U.S.-funded Radio Liberty. A new law in Russian threatens up to 15 years in prison for anyone deemed to spread quote false information end quote. About the country's military and its activity, other penalties target calls for sanctions against Russia and calls for not deploying Russia's armed forces.
So a number of international companies have ceased its operation in Russia, such as Airbnb, Google, Panasonic, uh, Panasonic um, Booking.com, Microsoft, Apple, Paramount, DirecTV, AT&T, Netflix, TikTok, Disney, and so on and so forth. And the Secretary of the State, Anthony Blinken, downplayed the impact that energy sanctions on Russia would have arguing any other any such section would hurt the America and its allies more than they would on the Moscow. So he refused to um, to re he refused to stop importing Russian oil. And um, yeah, and uh, more more on that later. Mm -hmm. So the United States has provided a $350 million in military aid in the forms of weapons from U.S. stockpiles over the past week, bringing the total aid to Ukraine to roughly $1 billion over the past year. And a new breakdown of that aid shows that the U.S. compressed the process to provide the aid to just a matter of hours and days compared to the normal several months. And a U.S. senior defense official said, you can see how fast we're moving to get security assistance on the battlefield. And he said, uh, overall, officials remain very impressed about how Ukrainians are fielding those weapons. He said they are having a real impact. And speaking at a news conference in Brazil on Friday afternoon, Stoneberg said that Russia forces deployed banned weapons, including cluster bombs, and called the Russian invasion of Ukraine, quote-unquote, a blatant violation of international law. And he said, we have seen the use of cluster bombs. We have seen reports of use of other types of weapon, which will be in violation of international law. He continued that, um, of course, NATO allies and partners ha are collecting information and are monitoring very closely what's going on in Ukraine. So the cluster bombs are effectively explosive that uh, over deployed or was deployed open the air and release more um, sub munitions or bomblets and then this week introduced uh, energy, uh, uh, the energy the Republican legislatures this week introduced the Energy Freedom Act which aims to bring the US back to a place of energy independence and uh, a status of President Joe, uh, Joe Biden stopped upon taking office. Specifically, the legislation would work by, quote, accelerating federal permitting for energy projects and pipelines, mandating new onshore and offshore oil and gas lease sales, approving pending LNG export licenses, and generally speeding up solar, wind, and uh, geothermal development, according to um, the, a senator's office. However, the Biden administration has so far indicated no intention in making move towards the above actions. So the, let's take a look at the gas price. It jumped 11 cents from the day before to average $3.84. That is as much as they rose in the entire week through Thursday. In a week ago, gas price were $3.57. Uh, 57 cents. So Friday, today's gas price is a uh, 7.4% higher over the weekend. Well, gasoline prices, as you know, uh, move up while oil prices climb. And uh, the gas price now are up 12% compared to a month ago and 40% compared to a year ago. And, and the price of the uh, Western Texas in, in, um, instrument uh, uh, crude oil, the best measure of the petroleum produced in the U.S., were, was at $115 a barrel on Friday, up from $92 a week ago and $76 at the start of this year. Yeah, so see, in Silicon Valley, actually, now today we see uh, the highest uh, price of the gas actually is um, about uh, six dollars and 39 cents mm -hmm. which is in menlo park close yeah. to the silicon valley mm -hmm. so 
NATO planners should develop plans focusing on exploiting Russian logistic challenges rather than trying to address the disparity oh. in the combat power. And uh, this, this really has to do with the logistics issues, and uh, which is another topic. Mm -hmm. I'm just <laughs> combining them over here. Um, anyway, so first, next we're going to just move to the interview of today. Okay, yeah, so uh, actually I just uh, kind of uh, announced uh, in the, the last show that uh, I was going to interview Professor Victor Davis Hansen, uh, who is the military historian, uh, classicist, and uh, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. So yesterday I did interview Professor Hansen, which also um, you know, asked him quite a few questions, including some of the questions from you, our viewers. So I hope uh, you know, whoever raised the question uh, is in the audience right now. So. Actually, uh, we started the question is uh, what is exactly the, um, the uh, state of the warfare right now in Ukraine? So here we have uh, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Yeah, I think this is one of the, the few wars of the last 50 years going back to Vietnam or the Balkans or Iraq or Afghanistan, the Middle East wars that we haven't had any information. I mean, we don't have a lot of journalists on the front line, so there's a lot of speculation and misinformation. But it seems to be that there are a lot of, uh, that Russia's taken a lot of damage, but what hinges now is to what degree do the Ukrainians have sophisticated anti-aircraft stinger missiles and, and javelin. And it seems like we didn't give them any until Trump gave them only 500. But I don't know why the Ukrainians had not massed them in depots. So when the, the Russians came in, they did very well the first couple of days. And they exhausted their supplies, apparently. And now they have all of NATO scrambling the countries to send 10, 12,000 javelins and stingers and get them snuck into the country and then transported across it to the places where it matters. And so what we're watching is kind of a race. Will the Ukrainians get in their hands just an enormous amount of needed weaponry to stop these columns, helicopters, air attacks, tanks, or is it too late? We don't have the answer because we don't have accurate reporting. But it's very important because if they last another week or two, the momentum will be with them and then the West will take confidence that their strategy of uh, closing ranks in NATO and sanctioning Putin economically and physically will work and supplying these new type of game-changing weapons that can destroy a tank at two and a half miles uh, from the top, no less. That, that's a good model. And, and of course, the Iranians are looking at this vis-a-vis -vis their desire to destroy Israel. And the Chinese are looking at this and they're asking themselves, well, if we, if we were to do to Taiwan what Putin did to Ukraine, would the Taiwanese fight like the Ukrainians? Would Australia and the United States and Japan, South Korea, would they pour stingers and javelins into Taiwan? Would the world sanction us like they did Russia? Would Chinese billionaires lose their yachts or air privileges or Chinese citizens couldn't get ATMs with 350,000 students have to come home. So they don't, they're waiting too to see what the response of the West and whether Ukraine is uh, saved or not. And that will predicate uh, a lot about their decision-making vis-a-vis toward Taiwan. These are all amoral decisions, realist decisions. They're just based on the efficacy of the of the operation, whether it can be carried out quickly within a cost-benefit analysis, um, profitably. But nobody has that answer yet, partly because the coverage is not good, but par partly because we're in the middle of a war and we're not, we're not sure if the supplies can arm the Ukrainians and they have enough people to know how to use them to stop the Russian column. It's already into like the second week of the war, but he seems not really making a lot of uh, progress and the, the columns of Russia just uh, lining up uh, towards uh, Kyiv, but not really able to make a lot of advancement. What do you make of it? 
Well, he has a plan. We saw it in Georgia. We saw it in eastern Ukraine and Crimea. And that is he feels that he will suddenly strike. He'll create pressure on the border. And then if the former republic does not capitulate, he at some date will swarm the border, try to decapitate the government, put in a puppet government and get it all over in two and three days. And that worked in those prior three cases. It has not worked with Western Ukraine. And when it doesn't work, he always has a fallback plan. And the fallback plan prior to this was Chechnya. It didn't work. So he brought in his heavy artillery and missiles and he leveled Grozny, the capital. He basically destroyed the cities of Chechnya. And his his thinking is that people will express outrage now and they'll sanction him and they'll refuse to buy their oil, but they will be confronted with a reality in a year that he took all of Ukraine and he absorbed it all. And he, does, and he didn't care about the, the cost and now he's more powerful. And he, he believes that Germany will reverse course and quietly buy oil from him and NATO will quietly revert the course and the United States will not pump more oil or deter him. I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's what he's thinking at least. And that explains why he's taking this enormous gamble. Why this is happening now? Why Putin decided to invade Ukraine at this time? What do you think? Well, he's always ready to invade a former republic if it's in a cost-of-benefit analysis worth it. And there are certain conditions that make it worth it or not worth it in his perception. One of them is the price of oil. The oil is very high and Europe is very dependent on oil. The United States begged him to pump more oil, why we deliberately cut back on oil. Second is if there's disarray in NATO. NATO's uh, richest member of Germany was buying a billion, was willing to pay a billion dollars almost a day, two days, you know, if this pipe had, pipeline agreement is finalized, and it seems to be almost finalized, or it was, and NATO was fighting over whether the people would even pay 2% of their annual budget on defense. So there was a lot of acrimony there. And then he looks at presidents. He looks at George W. Bush or uh, Biden or Trump or Obama. And he decides, he decides whether they're loud and not going to do anything or can't do anything or whether they're, they're going to deter him. And they came to the conclusion that during the Georgia crisis, we were bogged down in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oil was high. Bush couldn't or wouldn't do anything, and he went into Georgia. And then during the Obama administration, he decided the same was true. Oil was high. Obama had been on an apology tour. He had the hot mic exchange. He had in Seoul, South Korea, and he decided to go in. The same thing. He didn't do it during Trump's period, but he did during during Biden's again. Biden had begged him to pump oil. Oil was high. NATO was in disarray. We hadn't done anything about Russian hacking, so he's opportunistic. His longer-term goal is to recreate uh, Mother Russia, a Russian empire, sort of like Milosevic in the Serbian Empire, or Mussolini in the 1930s, new Roman Empire, or Hitler with a Third Reich. Anybody who speaks the language, the same religion, Russian uh, religion or language, he feels has to belong in this large empire-centered Moscow, but he, he he's not... He's not strong enough to get all of the necessary pieces at once, so he, he's very patient, he waits. In terms of uh, the sanctions, actually it's from our audience. Uh, they want to ask you, like, do you think the U.S. would uh, stop or you know, reduce the fossil fuel purchase from the Russians uh, as one of the sanctions? Uh, and if that were to happen, when it's possibility? It's very odd that we were told that the Green Party in Europe, the plural parties, were so much more powerful than our left and that they ran the European Union and the NATO countries. But lo and behold, all of the major leaders of the European countries, and particularly Chancellor Schultz in Germany, have completely repudiated the left. They've decided to create energy and not to buy oil and gas from Putin and to increase her, but our president hasn't done that. So I was expecting in the State of the Union for a very bold speech that said, let's get beyond politics, let's, but we to save lives 
in Ukraine and to deter Russia and to stop their accumulation of petrodollars and to give the West liquefied natural gas, I'm going to do the following. I thought he would say, we're going to help the Israelis and the Greeks and Cypriots finish that pipeline into Italy, which will, which Biden opposed that gas pipeline. I, th- I thought he would say, we're going to open Anwar. We're going to open new federal leasing uh, for oil and gas. We're going to finish the Keystone Pipeline. We're going to give more incentives to frackers and horizontal drillers and the Dakotas and Texas. But he didn't do that. So it, just, it suggests that he's more captive to the American left than the Europeans are to the Green Party. I never thought that would be possible, but it is. So how do you think actually the U.S. energy policy, you know, could play an important role in Putin's making such decision? Well, right now, we're, we were energy independent. You know, we, we consume about 14 million barrels, and we were up to almost 14 million barrels, and now we're down to, I think, 11 or something, 12 sometimes. So if we could pump very quickly, I think, uh, back up to the where, where we already were, we would give the world an extra 3 million barrels. And if we were to start shipping natural gas, which we have even more than oil, I think within a matter of six weeks or eight weeks, we could get the price of oil down below $100, and that would start to rob Putin of the enormous profits he's making. But more importantly, it would tell the Europeans, don't worry help is on the way we're going to sell you liquefied natural gas and you're going to get a pipeline into italy from the mediterranean and more importantly you could supply as you just did five seven ten years ago your own natural half of your own natural gas and oil if you'll just frack and so we we have the ability to do it it's just the willpower and now it's a matter of how long can ukraine last and but it didn't have to be this way. We, we, when Joe Biden came into office and just slashed our oil and gas production, and then we had this terror printed four or five trillion dollars and did not send offensive weapons to Ukraine, then I think this was inevitable. As you mentioned, uh, uh, the Chinese Communist government is also watching, and it just uh, actually proved that uh, the Putin and uh, the leader in the CCP they coordinated when he will invade Ukraine. That's after the Winter Olympics. So, uh, what do you make of it? Well, I think China's telling Russia that Russia wouldn't have gone in had China said no. So, China said, when you go in, we will have the financial wherewithal to support you if you sell us oil and gas, and they're going to do that. It's obvious. And then China said, we're going to try to, you know, veto it in the General Assembly or, I mean, the Security Council, so there will be no UN action against you. But the Chinese are not stupid. They're very brilliant people, the communist Chinese. So what they're saying is, but we're not going to go any further now because we're going to watch how the world reacts to it. I don't think they expected this reaction because what they were eventually saying is we're watching how they would react to us when we go into Taiwan, which they plan to do. And they're saying, my gosh, all of our, you know, all, all of our oligarchs can suffer the same fate. And we might not have access to things like ATM or air travel. We have students all over Europe, the United States. This is something we have to ponder. And we don't know quite what the strategy is that the Ukrainians are using, but if it becomes an insurgency, and they, with these new sophisticated weapons, you can nullify you know, tanks and multi-million dollar uh, helicopters and air bombers or fighters, they're thinking we've got we've to absorb this, digest it. Because this could be a, this could be a paradigm or a model for Taiwan that we hadn't anticipated. Mm. Yeah. So right now, both uh, the Biden's administration's delegation and uh, former State of uh, Secretary Pompeo's uh, delegations are all in Taiwan. So yes. how do you think? Yeah, this type of a reaction, you know, would be taken by the Chinese side. 
Yeah, I think what they're trying to do is they're telling the Taiwanese and the tel- Taiwanese are telling the Americans. I think they're having very explicit discussions and they're think- saying things like, we want 20,000, 30,000 Javelin anti-tank weapons and we're going to train local neighborhood groups how to use them, a nation in arms if we have to. And we want Stinger missiles, hundreds of thousands of them. And we want to know exactly what the financial repercussions on China will be if they attack us. And we want an explicit coordinated strategy. And we want this much aid from Australia, this much from Japan, this much from South. So I think that's what they're talking about. And they see glimmers of hope in Ukraine, but they're also afraid, the Taiwanese are afraid that if Putin smashes and destroys the Ukrainian resistance and he puts a puppet government in, and it ends up like Chechnya, then the world in a very sick way will have admiration for him. I don't mean moral admiration, but admiration in the sense of wonder at his at his strength. They'll say, oh my God, you can't resist him. The Ukrainians tried everything, he just slaughtered them. And if he tells us we have to buy gas, we should do it. And if he says NATO cannot have offensive weapons in their state, we better do it. That It'll just be the opposite of what we see now. So that's why Putin has everything. To, he's gambled everything. He has to win. If he doesn't win, he's, he's in bad shape. There's also another question. Uh, people wondering, how does this war play into the Great Reset? How do you think? Yeah. Well, the, the Great Reset was in Switzerland under Klaus Schwab was this idea that all the elites of the world were going to come together and meet in places like Davos and then insist that corporations and governments adopt their agenda, which was, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, green energy and ecumenical government that would transcend national legislatures. And I think everybody says, well, wait a minute. Look at the UN right now. The UN is being chaired by Vladimir Putin. How can you put any trust in a transnational organization when he's the problem, and yet he's in the UN? And and they say, you know, the WHO wasn't very helpful. They were in the pocket of the Chinese. And then people said, well, Anthony Blake invited in the UN Commission on on Human Rights to adjudicate whether America was racist after George Ford. So they don't have a very good reputation. And I think most people will think, We've got to be more nationalistic. We have to be more patriotic. We cannot surrender our choices or our, the realm of options we have or our sovereignty to a transnational body. And I think the Great Reset is, is dead. And I, you know, it's gone the way of Hillary Clinton's Russian reset. Any last word you would like to tell our audience about, uh, you know, what's going on right now? I think it's kind of also a referendum on westernized countries that believe in market capitalism and constitutional government and have created so much affluence and leisure that they have been ridiculed for being soft. And we'll see whether they are because uh, Putin believes in old-fashioned hard power and his answer to us is, I don't care what you do. I'm going to, I don't care how many people die, I'm going to send these tanks and these planes and they're going to do a lot of damage and then yeah, I'm going to present you with a fait accompli. I took Ukraine, what are you going to do about it? And if that were to win, then I think Iran and Taiwan would be, uh, I mean, uh, Iran and China would be very emboldened. But on the other hand, if the West rallies to the Ukrainian side, swarms it with money and supplies and weapons, and the Ukrainians hold out, and Putin is humiliated, and the world really has been able to figure out financially how to destroy him. And the Chinese are saying, well, I know we're a lot more powerful than Putin, but we're also more vulnerable because we're more integrated within the Western fiscal system. We don't have 7,000 nukes like uh, like Putin does. So that it, will, it will send a strong message to communist China that they, and I think Xi will be a little bit more apprehensive that people within if he if people already feel that he's trying to follow a putin trajectory and alienating the west and asserting overtly chinese power 
unilaterally, I think a lot of people will say, you know what, you can't do this. It's going to lead to some. It's going to lead to bankruptcy. It's going to lead to we're going to be ostracized. Or the Taiwanese will kill 10, 20, 30,000 of us just on the beaches. So there's a lot at stake. Thank you, Professor Hansen, for your insights. Okay, thank you. Okay, so that's uh, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Uh, yeah, I only had that period of time to talk to him. Actually, there are more questions to discuss. Um, so actually, one of our viewers uh, on Safe Chat, Patrick, forwarded uh, uh, mo the one of the most recent uh, Professor Hansen's uh, article on you know on this uh, on the war. It's called uh, "The Crowded Road to Kiev." It's a brilliant, uh, you know. Article. So, if you're interested, I can uh, just uh, paste the link over there. You can, uh, you know, take a look, read about it. He really analyzed the all different uh, factors um, relates to this war. So, yeah, how do you think? Please leave your comments um, there, and uh, uh, so we'll be love. We'll, we'll be, you know, be happy to just read them and uh, discuss. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, so do you want to leave any comment and uh, and what's your opinion? Mm. Yeah, this is just a, the 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 war is capture capturing virtually okay virtually everybody's attention, and uh, that has been pretty much the case, and uh, so we've been uh, following that. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I saw um, Blue Crow said uh, national. Nationalists and globalists are um, versus globalists. It's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like uh, Professor Hansen said, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Louis said, uh, "We, the people, as a united group, have the power to defeat the Great Reset and uh, demand we fix the corruption of our political system." Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think we saw this a lot in the past <coughs> week yeah. uh, at CPAC. A lot of. People, in, especially as I, as we shared with you, especially the veterans, the moms and grandmas, they all step up, uh, you know, just uh, trying to do different things, including running for office and uh, doing the education work, especially at the school district level. So yeah, a lot of people are uh, awakening and also taking actions. Yeah. So to summarize uh, what do we learned from CPAC, Kathy has already mentioned a good number of them. I summarized them in, in five points. Okay, The first one is that there were way more media than last year, same time last year, well, indicating that the relevance or the weight of the CPAC. Um, the second is, uh, well, there, there are much, many more Chinese, Chinese Americans than what we, had, what we saw last year, and most of them are our viewers. Yeah, and I wanted to actually uh, wanted to share with you. I interviewed a couple of them. One of them, uh, she wrote to me again, actually in text today. Okay. Yeah, and uh, she was saying she, I asked her why she come to um, CPAC like for the first for the first time, right? And she said basically um, from coming, to, you know, from uh, mainland China, and all the way to here in the United States. Her journey has always been, she summarized it as uh, following the light. Mm -hmm. Following the light. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, even including how she found out our Chinese shows, and uh, that's part of her following the light. So that kind of summarized, uh, I think, you know, for her, it's uh, one of um, uh, example of uh, Chinese Americans, the immigrants, who are just from the really the dark society under the communist regime, they but you know they have a natural in instinct. People have this natural instinct to seek for freedom, seeking for lights and hope, and uh, so it's it's a kind of really moving to hear from what they have to say, and uh, hopefully in the future we can share how they feel with you guys as well. Yeah. Okay, so besides the uh, Chinese American, more, more of them attending CPAC, uh, the three other things, um, phenomenon, okay, or takeaways that uh, um, it, are the following. Okay, first is uh, what Kathy just said: many veterans is uh, coming out and then uh, jumping to the race for the congressional seats, 
And the one example that Kathy interviewed is a 72-year-old um, black uh, army colonel, okay, who fought, uh, which war did he, did he fight? He fought in the, he went to Venezuela for two times, right? Uh, Venezuela is not her. Okay. Not, 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 not him. him. Yeah, I interviewed quite a few That's of them. That's so. okay. Yeah. Anyway, but the, the, this, the, he's a 72-year-old. And then he made a de determination to jump into the race in the, in, in the district in the Florida. Another uh, colonel is a lieutenant colonel of the Air Force. And he was, uh, how to say, he went to Venezuela for two times, right? Right. And then, um, again, he also jumped into the race. And, uh, you know, so we interview quite a few of them. So, and they are smart, they are sharp, and, um, and they are clear-minded. So that's what we have observed through our interview. And the fourth takeaway is, uh, as uh, Kathy just said, uh, moms, okay, like a mom for America was growing very fast. They're very outspoken, they're very proactive. And uh, the approach that they take is that we need to educate our kids, make them thinking clear. And to do that, we have to educate our moms, the mothers. And uh, so, yeah, so governor, uh, I think the governor, uh, go uh, not the governor, the, the, uh, Governor Nguyen, yeah. Governor Nguyen of the South Dakota made a speech saying that uh, if you anger a mom, like a mom bear, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> you are in trouble. Um, she's going to tear you, they just tear you apart. Um, so basically, American moms are waking up and they are taking very decisive uh, actions, um, including like creating a number of courses, right, every mm -hmm. week for the mom of the, of the neighborhood to come in, have a group study and then learn and watch that uh, courses, which well has to do with the U.S. Constitution, the founding you know, values of this country, and so on and so forth. The fifth takeaway is the school district. Believe it or not, school district, oh, across the nation, okay, people are, um, people are coming out and running for school district commissioner, okay? And then, and then uh, Mike Pompeo, the state secretary, said, former state secretary, said he has been traveling for to four states in that week of the CPAC. And he said, I'm helping parents who do not even know where does the school district, you know, committee meeting happen? You know, where they, when and where they have, they have those meetings, and they are jumping in and run for school, school district commissioners. Yeah, so uh, especially when we talk to tell people we're from San Francisco and everybody basically just will mention this uh, San Francisco school board recall. So it really became um, national news. And in the meanwhile, actually in, San Fran in Silicon Valley right now, another school board recall effort is uh, ongoing, which is happening in the city of Cupertino very small city, it's a very affluent city in the middle of the Silicon Valley with 60% uh, of mm -hmm. Asian Americans. And uh, I just heard that uh, those parents are very encouraged by what happened in San Francisco and uh, they just had been just fed up by what the school board uh, is, has been doing. I think a lot relates to the uh, close of the schools, mm -hmm. which we, they also find out uh, that uh, there could be some uh, kind of a collusion between the school board members with the um, property development companies. So, yeah, I will find out more and uh, maybe, you know, just uh, share with uh, our audience here. But, uh, um, yes, school board and the parents, um, they are really waking up and uh, trying to, their efforts to do, you know, to change the course. Yeah, and yeah. Then now then their message is that, is that uh, if we are able to do this in San Francisco, we can do this in any city in this country. <laughs> right. And here, Luis, uh, Luis Fernandez, you said, I want to know more about the Chinese lady uh, with eight kids and how, um, and how while being silenced may not be the exception. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, uh, due to the war that happened in, in Europe, the U Ukrainian war, and uh, a, lot, a lot of attention was shifted away, okay? However, people are not forgetting, for, forgetting the, the, that lady. Mm -hmm. So there's still a lot of calls saying that, let's go back, let's, let's shed a light on it. And uh, the regime actually releases, I don't know whether we reported this, the fifth report. The fifth, which is supposedly the final report, this is from the provincial level, and uh, completely just completely just lie about the 
um, you know, what what they investigated. So, and the one, uh, how to say, um, activist was saying that they managed, the government regime managed to make sure that uh, no single person would believe their report, their investigative report. This is how damaging, okay, how damaging um, their handling of this uh, aid, aid kit um, um, adopted lady. Yeah, but actually, to the reputation of the CCP. Yeah, but actually, there has been reports. It's not really a single case, right? It really reveals <coughs> the um, the issue of the human trafficking in China, which is not really known to outside world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, probably we will do more research yeah. and the, yeah, we'll follow through with follow that. Follow through with you. And the real truth, Sherry, you wrote. I'm glad to hear San Francisco Star standing up. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people. Uh, feel would feel that way, and, uh, and uh, yeah, Sherry also said thank you, Win Kathy, Victor, honest reporting. I appreciate your time. You're out into your work. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Sherry. We're humble to hear that. Yeah, and yesterday actually, not that uh, two days ago, I was in Baltimore, Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, I was checking out a a, a, off, a office building there, and uh, I was asking the, the the building owner, saying that you know why do you buy this building here, and he said. Because the city has greater potential. The only problem is the, it is uh, run by you know just uh, extra la you know, la leftist, mm -hmm. radical la leftist, and then there's a lot of ruins there. And uh, so I asked him, how do you fix that? He said, just wait. The pendulum will swing to the to, to the extreme, and the people will wake up. They're gonna come back and put in the right person into the mayor's position. He said, just only take one mayor to make the, all the difference. Okay, I uh, actually, really? <laughs> yeah, I interviewed a, a candidate uh, who's uh, running for Maryland uh, governor, mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. So yeah, we'll share that with you later. Yeah, and, and uh, Lucy said, uh, yes, wait, but what is your Chinese audience saying? Are Chinese people waking up? Uh, let me see, I try to understand your, 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 your point here, okay? Well, I hear the message of the left, and it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right that your inner voice confirming what you know is wrong. Have faith. Yeah, sure. And uh, what is what is our Chinese audience saying? Are Chinese people waking up? Um, yes. Yeah. M mainly, this is how I see it. Okay, for Chinese people outside of China, they are waking up um, by big number, but still inside China because of the tight control, the grip of the uh, CCP's propaganda. They just own everything. They, they, they are media report, okay, in the so-called professional media was just unbelievable. They just, they just lie, they lie just like there's no, how to say, no, no truth in the world. They just make things up, unbelievable, yeah. Uh, we, we did not prepare for that, but that's, this is what the Chinese people in China was, is subjecting to. You know, they're just living, facing a, a false, a false world. They're just living in that kind of bubble and thinking what they should not be thinking about. But that's because, you know, the virtual reality. Yeah, and that's why, why the free media, the information, a free flow of information to China is so important. Yeah. And that's actually what uh, our Sound of Hope media initially established to do that and the mm -hmm. continuously been doing that for the uh, past 20, almost 20 years. Mm. Yeah, right? Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, and uh, any, you know, we would appreciate anyone's support in our efforts in doing that. It's not known to a lot of people, but um, as you know, just like I think in this Ukraine war, mm -hmm. right, the, the invasion, uh, if, you know, when people saw the will, wills of uh, the Ukrainians, just they, how they determined to defend their country, their land, their freedom, then the outside world, you know, really have more confidence uh, in this, right? So, uh, but in China, unfortunately, the Chinese government just had so much grab on the propaganda machine and thus, you know, they really control a lot of people's mind and the thinking and uh, media like us uh, try to just, uh, you know, uh, make our best effort to help with uh, people to be able to receive the free information and as a first step to, you know, just um, um, get them uh, be able to, you know, get away from the CCP's grab and control. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
So that will be all today, and uh, thank you for being with us. Actually, uh, let uh, me see. Oh, yeah, Louis asked a question. What's the relationship between the um, uh, Klaus Rob of a Great Reset and the Chinese Communist Party? Um, Do you have any information? Uh, on that? Let me see. What is the relationship between? Yeah, the Davos. The Davos. Oh, yeah, um, between that and. Uh, uh, to be honest, this is this is my point of view. I just want to share with you, and uh, you know, if you disagree, that's okay. Just, um, just uh, you know, um, just uh, type up there so that I can see it. Um, I see two parallel, different line of uh, communism. Okay, one is the Russia, you know, the Soviet Union, and uh, and the CCP, and the North Korea, and the uh, Cuba, and the Venezuela, and so on and so forth. Okay, that's one line. Okay, and then another line that the, the parallel run, runs from. Germany and um, then you know just uh, Frankfurt uh, society then to uh, Columbia University and then to the US which is leading to the you know socialist policy today those two versions of communism they do not they do not collaborate okay why because they are how to say uh, totalitarian in nature they exclude they are, they are ex exclusive so when they meet they fight all right, this is uh, how I see the two versions of communism. It's not like they are both communism, so they, they collaborate. Yes, they, 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 they collaborate sometimes, okay? But largely they don't. They stay as a, their own entities and they try to grab the power. Of course, the second version, they try to grab the power in the Western world. Um, in the first version, it's uh, represented by the CCP. They try to dominate the world. So they, 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 just, they, they also clash and they fight each other. This is how I see it. So in that sense, the Great Reset is not uh, CCP's agenda. CCP has its own agenda. So it's just two versions running there. And I think this uh, Russia and uh, uh, Ukrainian war is uh, one reflection of that. Putin waged the war because he wants to recover or rebuild the great, uh, how to say, Russia empire. And then on this very issue, and uh, Xi Jinping supported him. The CCP support him. So he's with the first line, even though Putin is not a communist today, um, but he's uh, lining up with the uh, communist China. And uh, by invading Ukraine, Ukrainian, that, that just upset the West, including the, you know, as I said, the second version of the uh, um, you know, Western socialist and the communist. So they also fight them. Okay, so it's, it's not necessarily they're both communism, they're just lining up, join hand together. This is how I see it. Um, Okay. Okay. As a U.S. lawyer said that the Chinese government is more honest than a Western government, which is a veritable empire of lies. China is the future; the West is the past. Free speech in West is an illusion. What do you think? I I understand what you mean. Um, yeah, U.S. lawyer, but um, but uh, Chinese government. I think what do you mean to say is uh, how to say they they they, they lie and they are blatant. Um, but this is a, it's, it's, they're both bad version of the communism. Very bad. They are, in their genes are, are the same. They, if they got power, you know, the liberty is gone, and the people will be treated in a very, very brutal way. And, um, well, yeah. I, yeah, but I would say the Chinese government actually uh, would, you know, they have more experience. It exists for a longer time, and I think it's, it can be considered as the master of the lie, liar. Yeah, that's really in my the, own yeah, personal it's opinion. Really, the master player. Yeah, and if you, if you think you know what we're experiencing right now is bad, go to China. Mm -hmm. And I hate CCP. Uh, you, you you wrote that. Uh, so e even if we destroy CCP, we still have communism to deal with. Yes, if you ask my honest opinion, yes. So CCP is uh, one version of communism, as I said. It's different from the radical left in in the in the Western world, which equals to another the second version of communism. Okay, there's two versions that we're dealing with, unfortunately. All right, but uh, again, I think truth will prevail. Truth would prevail. So the truth will bring down CCP and will bring down the second version of communism too. We just need to be patient and uh, be persistent and uh, be strong and be faithful and be optimistic. Yeah, and uh, probably also always keep, you know, alarm because uh, we don't, you know, it won't say, okay, the CCP is gone and then it go with the communism. Probably not. Um, so it's a constant fight, probably. But the CCP is really, really a very evil version of the communism. Yeah, if the yeah. CCP 
you know, false. Yeah, I think generally the communism will be, you know, will be weakened significantly. Yeah, and lastly, the uh, I saw written from a real truth. Sherry has a question. So, do they televise your show in China? I wish the citizens the best. So, our show in the radio it uh, actually broadcasts through the short wave and the internet. But uh, you know, the Chinese government won't just easily let our shows go in. Um, but uh, people have a way to listen via yep. the shortwave, and uh, if they can use the like a VPN, some tools break through the Great Firewall. On the other hand, the our video shows on like YouTube and other platform, when people again uh, in China, they have ways to break through the Great Firewall, and uh, yes, many of them are watching mm -hmm. our shows. And I, I HCCP said, truth will prevail. That's what my grandpa. Through uh, thought, seventy years ago, though, have been waiting for a while. Yes, I understand. I do understand. I do understand. People, good people, feel too long. The world's too dark. Um, but this, this actually, this is a special period of time. Okay, in in Buddhism, if you you know want to listen <laughs> hear my my sharing, it's called the Dharma ending time. This is a period of time that indeed there's a lot of bad things happen. But uh, in Chinese, we know this wu ji bi fan. When the bad thing goes to the extreme, good thing appears, good, good, good thing comes through. Um, so the, in, the, in the Western culture, it's called the pendulum. Uh, the pendulum. Pendulum. Pen, pendulum phenomenon. Okay, it's going to swim back. Okay. Um, but yes, that's, um, but the truth is always the most valuable and important, uh, how to say, weapon or value. We really need to stay with that. Yes. Have faith, have faith. Sometimes having faith means a lot of test. And this is one of the really serious tests, whether we can hold on to our faith or we just give up. Okay, go with the flow, you know, do whatever, you know, don't, 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 no need to stay with the truthful, being truthful, being honest, being, you know, being kind and being strong. No, that's the test. Let's just stay strong, stay faithful, and uh, a bit, wait for a bit more long time. You know, the, the good will always prevail over um, evil. Yeah, and also in the mean in this process, it's probably a test for the faith and for the morality. Yeah, so can people still keep uh, moral, right? Mm -hmm. Keep the moral values mm -hmm. um, and its uh, faith mm -hmm. in the good principles. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for staying with us, and uh, and until next Monday. Yeah. Have a have great, a great weekend. weekend. Have a great night. A great weekend. And uh, hope you can relax. We'll see you next Monday. Yeah, it's great to have you. And uh, please share our video if you can. And then press the like if you haven't done so. And uh, and uh, yeah, and a subscription. Making sure you you stay subscribed. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.